0: Moms Unscripted is a production of MOPS International. If you'd like to find a group near you, go to MOPS.org forward slash group search. If you'd like to start a group, go to MOPS.org forward slash start a group. Simi was born in India and moved to Dallas, Texas at the age of seven. She graduated with her doctorate in physical therapy and married her best friend, Jason, in 2010. Together they pastor at New Life Bible Church in Norman, Oklahoma, and they have two kids and they're gorgeous. Simi is called to equip women to know who they are and live loved. Simi is a speaker and author of I Am Not, Break Free from Stereotypes and Become the Woman God Made You to Be. Welcome Simi. Thanks for being with us today.
1: It's my honor. I'm so excited to be here
0: with you guys today. Okay. Um, You wrote the following. I grew up believing the lie... That culture taught me that my voice doesn't matter because I am a girl. Hmm. I think there are probably a lot of women listening who have no voice or feel like their voice has been suppressed for maybe a number of reasons. So how do we as women go about the process of finding our voice? And what is this? What does this look like for you? Reclaiming your voice after you feel like you had none.
1: Yeah, that is. That's a good question. Um, And I agree. Everyone has their own reasons for feeling like their voice doesn't matter. And I believe that lie because of my Indian culture, where Girls are kind of treated as like second class citizens. We're Mm -hmm. not important. Um, And and then I grew up in a church that believed that girls shouldn't speak. And so at a young age, I felt called to speak. And when I told my Sunday school teacher, he was just like, you can't speak. You're a girl. And that immediately kind of made me feel like something was wrong with me and why would i hear this from god if it's not true why would i feel this Mm. so passionately in in the fiber of my being if this is not something that i was meant to do and i was just really angry i was angry at god for making me a girl. I was angry that Mm -hmm. I was Indian. I was angry Mm -hmm. that God put me in this prison of the Indian church that believed this Mm -hmm. uh, and I could never live out my purpose. And so I kind of gave up on it because I was young. And then I went to Texas Women's University for my undergrad where everybody has to take this elective called Women's Studies where you study history and how history oppressed women in different ways, right? And so there was this one chapter that we had to read and write like, hey, do we agree with this or not? And write a paper on it, and it was on how religion oppressed women, specifically mm-hmm. Christianity. And I was like, "Hello, this is my life. Like, wow. I have yeah. lived this out. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. Cannot wait to write about it. Right? This is going to be my venting. <laughs> yeah. And so, as soon as I sat down to write that paper, the Holy Spirit just like mm. convicted me and said, "No, you know what." man said you know Mm. what your church said you know what tradition and culture said you never asked what i have said Mm -hmm. and so i began to study scripture on my own and as, as i flipped through the bible and so woman after woman who god chose called loved empowered equipped saw i couldn't deny that god loved chose and uses women And I can name and I can give you tons of examples uh, from scripture of women that spoke to me as I was writing that paper that, really just reinforce that this is god's call on my life that i -hmm. do have a voice and my voice does matter to god and he has given me this voice to change the culture i was living in and i was supposed to use it regardless of what Mm -hmm. anybody else said Mm -hmm. and so for me finding my voice meant going through that season of doubt but taking that doubt to god Yes, and really trusting yes. His word and searching His word for myself, and not settling for what anybody else says about my purpose and my calling. Mm-hmm. And so, I think you have to do that work on your own because it is hard. It took me a long time to get there, but I got an A on that paper, and I'm I- sure you did. <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: You did. <laughs> But yeah that's the
1: one I remember
0: I am the most wow. proud
1: of because mm. that paper transformed my life
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah incredible. Yeah, I want to just interject something I was working at a ministry a parachurch ministry uh, at one point and I remember this sign-up sheet got circulated around the offices and it was a sign-up sheet for cleaning the kitchen and it was the women were listed only on this sign-up sheet right didn't matter what level you worked at at the organization. It was only the women that were on the signup sheet. And my boss, my supervisor, who was male, the head of our department, took the signup sheet and took it back to its origin and said, put my name at the top of the list. Mm,
2: wow. And he
0: said, this will not be going to any of the women. This will go actually to all of That's men. good. Wow. And um, wow. I just remember that whole situation. And I remember there being kind of a... a a moment in there where I just love what you're saying that it's our work like you can rage against the man and you can get angry and you mm-hmm. can, it can it's about I, I just remember that moment saying I can become angry and bitter and it will do nothing for me in this moment yeah. Yeah. or I can take I can, first of all, really be grateful for the advocacy that we experienced in that situation, but also this is my work to do on how I'm mm-hmm. going to internalize some of these experiences because they're not going to stop. Yeah. So I love the, I love the statement of this is our work yeah. and um, it, I just appreciate you saying that and taking yeah. personal responsibility for your own journey yeah. in that is really important. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: absolutely. And, I, and the thing is, I, I had to know that my voices matter and I had to still honor the authority I was under, right? Mm-hmm. Like sure. if that's what mm-hmm. they believed, maybe my voice wasn't going to be used in the capacity that I knew and God had for me in that place. So mm-hmm. just because they were saying that and they believed that, I, I still sat under that authority until I like was an adult and left that church for because I got married. Mm-hmm. Not because I was angry at them, but. After I left, God used me in so many different arenas, but I had to know there was another season coming. Yeah. There was another opportunity coming, might not be used exactly where you wanted or where you are right now. That doesn't mean that your voice doesn't matter. He mm-hmm. has a plan. You have to trust him and you have to wait on his timing. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the hard part. A lot that's
0: of times. Hard. Yeah. That's beautiful. So Simi, then how do we help our daughters find their voices? And how do we help our sons, the men in our lives champion that?
1: Yeah, that is so important. And I I think I do this well because I do it very intentionally. I have a son and I have a daughter and I, my daughter is my firstborn. She's nine years old. So growing up, I did not see like women doing many things other Mm. than teaching Sunday school and cleaning kitchens Mm -hmm. and so for me I was very intentional of taking my daughter to places where I was speaking or women Mm. were doing things and leading things because I wanted her to see because when you see someone doing things there is this internal permission to dream that Mm -hmm. you can do that very thing Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I wanted her to see that she can do it. When I was writing my book, I told her, Hey, mom's working on this book. I'm doing this book. And it was actually birthed from having a daughter. Like I remember uh-huh. looking at my phone and November of like 2013 is when I wrote in my phone, note, in my notes app, write a book for Mariah. I am not. And mm-hmm. I didn't write until way later, but this is, passion in me came out of having a girl and knowing that I wanted her to live in a world where girls were viewed differently. Girls had more opportunities and girls lived into their design by God, not by the expectations of culture and the world. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I my box came with my books. She was more excited than I was Aww. to open.
0: Like
1: every, at My launch That's party, awesome. she was more excited to show everybody the books. And even at Mom Con when I was there to speak, she came with me like we, we went as a family. Mm-hmm. And I remember she was like, mom, can I come and hear you speak? That's and I was awesome. like, well, I think it's all just moms in there. There are no kids in there. It's just moms. And she said, well, I'm a future mom. Aww. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <it's all excited. laughs> and for my son and my daughter, it is normal for them to see their dad cheer me on and me and him minister to people together and pray for people together and teach God's word together and I think that's how we champion Mm -hmm. our kids to live not just what culture says but what God's word says about us Mm -hmm. whether it's our gender or our roles or our callings awesome Mm-hmm. you mentioned briefly
2: your book. I am not, and you were with us at MomCon this year. And as you took the stage and kind of like talked about this book and this concept and, and helped women recognize like they're not enough. And I, as you said that, I felt like this collective
0: the room. <gasps> exhale. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah. thank
2: you for saying that because that's, awesome. that's something that I feel that everybody's telling me like, you're enough. You can do. And, mm. and so for you to say that just collectively helped us mm-hmm. all take a deep breath and like, Our shoulders dropped, and finally we could Mm -hmm. sink into that truth. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that's what she means by that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was good. But will you share a little bit about that concept, why you chose the title,
1: Mm -hmm. and what it means to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I wrote the book, um, my son was three years old, and my son would always say that statement I am not. We'd be like, hey, honey, you're hungry. He's like, no, I'm not. You're <laughs> sleepy. I am not. No matter what we would say, to me, I was like, I am not. And he's like so confident in who he is and how he felt that he was just like, no, you don't get to put that on me, right? <laughs> and I was like, man, that was just so intriguing to me because I was like, when do we lose that? When do we just start saying you know and questioning and accepting what culture says about Mm us the book was burnt out of me seeing in my own identity struggles growing up but also as a pastor's wife seeing women who love jesus at church singing songs of their identity i'm no longer a slave i am who you say i am on sunday mornings with tears in their eyes with faith by tuesday confused about Mm -hmm. who they were, because of all the things that the world was saying, you're this, you're not enough, and you're this, and you're that, and you are enough, and all these pressures that they were weighed under, you know, and just feeling like, I don't know who I am anymore, and settling for a life less than what God has for them. And so the concept of the book is really to help women recognize that there are these subtle lies, that the world mm. throws at us. That's why they're stereotypes because these are common things that are themes that we see around like, you know, women are this and women are that. And we don't even recognize it anymore because when you watch any TV shows and uh, reality shows, especially you see all these things being played out and you experienced in your life and you're kind of like, well, all women do that. That's just mm. part of being a girl. And it's recognizing, hey, but that's not God's design. Mm-hmm. God doesn't say that about mm-hmm. me. So giving them permission to say, well, I'm not the world can say that, but I'm not. And I am hoping uh, and my prayer through this book was for me to live differently that I am saying I am not that my daughter will be like, my mom's not like that. So all of yeah. are not like, yeah, and for sure. Culture changing our perspective. Mm-hmm. I
0: like that. that.
1: So some of the concepts in your book are
2: um, addressing these eight stereotypes that women are so often reduced to. Mm -hmm. Women are manipulative, gossips, clicky, too emotional, comparing, naive, weak, and overwhelmed. And so how do we leave those particular stereotypes behind and inhabit this true God-given
1: image of who we really are? Oh, that's that's a daily thing. Right. And so it's Uh one of those things that that because it's such like a a stereotype, it's like so common and it's ingrained into our culture wherever we go. It's so hard for us to recognize it even. Right. Like unless we're intentional. So my my heart is always I don't want Christianity to be Christianity to be reduced to behavior modification right? Yeah. It's not just about me trying really, really, really hard not to gossip or not compare myself because if I wanted to, I can try, but I'll fail by the end of the day, at mm-hmm. least five times, right? Because it's not in us. If it wasn't us, if we could do this life on our own and we could live that way, we, would, we wouldn't need God. And so it is relying on the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. And often that means a daily surrender knowing that this is gonna be a daily struggle, Mm -hmm. right? It's me Mm -hmm. saying, God, I'm not perfect. I need you, I welcome you into this relationship. I invite you into this conversation. This is my struggle. And so when I have done that and I have caught myself sitting at a table where there is gossip and I'm tempted to compare myself when I'm scrolling on social media, I feel a conviction in my heart. I feel the Holy Spirit calling me to himself. And sometimes it's hard for us to understand what that means. It's not a condemnation like, look at you, like you messed up, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. That's, That's not the voice of God right? The voice of God is never condemning us or calling out our sin in a way where we feel ashamed, but rather it's like in the book of Galatians, it talks about how the Holy Spirit, God sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to remind us that we are his children, that we get to call him father. So the conviction that I feel in those moments is more like, Simi, you're a daughter. Mm -hmm. What God has for you is so much better. You are supposed to reflect Jesus. You are the hands and feet. Your words should be filled with the gospel message and grace, not gossip. And so conviction for me is what leads me to say in that moment, like, I need to step away from this table or I need to put my phone away or I need to celebrate or champion that girl when comparison Mm -hmm. comes up in Mm -hmm. me. So it's a lot of that, but it all starts with knowing that I can do it on my own. And that I need to surrender to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to work in me, so that I can live the way of
0: Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah, I, I'm curious about something. Um, this is a little different topic, but I'm curious. So, you came from a really specific cultural background with specific ideas about who you are as a woman and then you've clearly done Simi, like it's so obvious in hearing you speak so much work to be where you are now do you feel like you've had to reject your the messages of your original culture and how how have you integrated where you came from and where you are now or do you feel like you have Mm. i feel like for many of us we have we feel like we have to like annihilate this past but that can't be the answer either right like how have you brought who you were and where you've come from into who you are and where you are now yeah. or or have you not i'm curious about that journey
1: that's that's been a lifelong journey for me and i don't know if i'm at the end of it uh yeah i grew up i was born in india so i grew up in the Indian culture and so being an Indian Christian already I was always a minority and so then moving Mm. to a place where I was the only one that looked like me in Dallas Texas for a long time that was also very like whoa what do I do culture shock right and so for me I I always say like now I can say that I, I think I was preparing my heart to always feel like an outsider like I never felt like I belonged. Mm. And that's because I don't belong to this world. And so for me, it's so easy for me to be like, I don't belong to this world. Like I don't have to fit in. I never fit in. And that's because I was made for another kingdom, right? I'm made for eternity and God has something better for me. And so I always lived with this tension of who am I? Like, am I Indian? Am I American? Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. and so for a long time, for a lot of christians that are indian they felt like they had to completely get rid of their indian culture right because so much of their culture was about the predominant religion which is hinduism it's weaved into every tradition everything that you do so a lot of times christians have to just be like we're not indian and so Mm -hmm. for me I, i had to just Feel like this burden for India again. And that happened in 2020, where God was just like, Mm -hmm. I made you Indian. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I gave you that brown skin. I I, I had you speak Malayalam first because I wanted you to love this culture. Mm -hmm. And that's on purpose. God made every part of me on purpose. And so for me, like, I, I was like, God, if I want to reach out to an Indian girl, if I want them to know you. And they have to see Jesus in someone that looks like them. Mm-hmm. And so I started sharing my Indian culture on my social media more. Like before I was just like versus and me, Christian, you know, then I was just like, no, I'm also Indian. God created me to be Indian. So it's kind of like what you said. It's like, I don't get rid of my past because yes. God has a purpose in all of it. Everything with God is intentional and he wastes nothing. So why should I? right so i use all of it all the things that god has weaved into my story matter and i can bring glory to god when i surrender it to him and say have your way Mm -hmm. and so for me like i no longer have to be like i'm not indian i'm just christian i can honestly and confidently say i'm an indian american christian woman and now in my 30s that makes sense and i didn't know what that meant for a long time but now it makes sense. And I see how that makes my voice unique mm-hmm. and it helps somebody else find Jesus that looks like me.
0: Well, Thanks for it, sharing that. That's, that's awesome. So good. Mm-hmm. And
3: there, you're right. I have growing up as, as a man, obviously you can tell by my deep <laughs> voice. Uh, like I've seen those stereotypes. I've heard those stereotypes. I think I benefited from my dad being raised primarily by his mother. And so I think that I've always kind of had this driving fight for women. Hence why I probably work here, you know, (laughs) kind of, kind of pans out (laughs) that way. (laughs) Um, And whenever I see those, those negative, um, those, what we read off, Like gossip and clicky, too emotional, always comparing. Mm -hmm. I think that all of us have negative qualities that come out um, when we are either in a bad environment or whenever we are not looking to God first, whenever we don't have a great support group. Mm -hmm. But whenever I look at those, I also will wait. We're just looking at the negative side, the positive side of what women are. Hmm. They are community drivers. Yeah. So yeah, negatively, it can be gossip and clicky, but really the strength from that is that they drive community. We mm-hmm. see that in our churches. We see that guys only have friends because their women go out and find the friends pretty much. <laughs> like, otherwise <laughs> mm-hmm. we're pretty lonely people. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know what to do with ourselves as men. When I see too emotional, it's like, actually, no, it's, they're just really compassionate people. Mm-hmm. They actually care just a lot more than we do. Yeah. Whenever I see always comparing, it's uh, actually, they're just very observant people because mm-hmm. they care a lot about people. And so whenever I see that list, I'm like, ah, well, I mean, you're not looking at the whole picture of what a woman is and what they can be. Um, yeah. And so I guess I've listed a few, but we have these negative stereotypes. What are some of the healthy the health, I'll just say stereotypes. Like what are some of the great healthy stereotypes that women should be trying to nurture in their own life?
1: Gosh, I agree with everything you said. So I think the enemy is so sly and that's exactly how he works. He gives us, you know, these lies and these cultural standards that we um, honestly just fall from God's good design and Mm -hmm. we end up using are good qualities, those things that God wanted to use for good, for bad, right? And so I don't think the enemy is very creative. I don't think that <laughs> he is like creating these bad qualities, He, but he knows our strengths. He's just like, you know what, if I can just get her to use that emotion in a negative way, then I win. Right. I can enter that relationship and just mess it all up if I get her to gossip instead of actually share and pray for that person. I can invade that relationship and break that relationship with that other friend in her church. So she's never going to trust another woman. And so for me, I I say I wrote about eight stereotypes because I, I have struggled with all eight of them, whether it's my own struggles or struggles that I felt and saw in other women that, Held me from having a good relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I think all of these are rooted in the giftings that God has given women. And I think the enemy has just squandered, made us squander it for bad instead of using it for good. Like, and one of the things I write in that gossip one is about we're meant to share the gospel I and mean, we're talking we like to sit in, at a table with women and we like to talk and that's good, but we're supposed to talk the gos- gospel, not gossip, right? But the enemy has made it where we're talking about the gossip. So I think the healthy qualities are all in there. This, this, these are the shadows, right? These mm-hmm. are the bad parts of it. And so if we can redeem those qualities and we can say, no, I am not that, but I see Christ using this in me for good, then I think we get to use it for kingdom purposes and it becomes healthy.
0: Really good. Simi, what have you learned the hard way?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So I think it's the last chapter of my book. Um, it's about Martha and Mary. It's about Being hurried and worried because women are always seen as being overwhelmed in hot messes, especially in our culture of hustle, right? I think being Indian and just feeling, be a minority, I always feel like I have to like prove myself, right? My work is where I find my worth and I have to prove to everybody that I belong here that, that I am somebody and the more accolades, the more awards, the more titles behind my name, the more important, significant I am. And that's just the culture I was raised in. And so for me, I have to know that I can say no, that God the ultimate person has said, I am worthy, that he loves me. He's approved of me. So I don't have to prove myself to the world. And so for me, the hardest thing has been that, and that's still a struggle. And so this, this year has been the first year, you know, I have said no to a lot of things. And I was like, you know, I don't have to do that. I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to be everywhere and do everything. Um, I can rest Because just like Jesus told Martha, this is the better portion. Mm -hmm. God has something better for me. I am choosing to be busy. And busy is not always better, right? Mm -hmm. In our world, it may seem like that, but that's a lie. That's the stereotype that busy is better. That if we have a full life and our schedules are full, if we're driving our kids Mm -hmm. all these places and doing all this stuff Mm -hmm. and we're everywhere, that our life is important, because our highlight reel is full on social media and people think we have a great and amazing life, but God says, no, I have something better for you. And that's to be with me. That's to be my disciple. It's to learn of me. And he says, my yoke is light and my burden is not heavy. And so that's what I'm learning in this season. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy for me to say no. It's not always easy for me to sit and just be. Beautiful. Well, our favorite
2: question to wrap up
1: with is,
2: what is motherhood teaching you in this season?
1: Mm. I think I'd have to say, so my kids are six and nine. um, And I think, you know, when your kids are tiny, like their babies are so dependent on you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have to feed them, I have to bait them, I have to clothe them, I have to do everything for them. I don't get a break. And then they're at six and nine and they're kind of independent, they can do all those things, they're not to cook. But there's always Chick fil A, right? But <laughs> they're independent. I'm not having to like spoon feed them. I don't have to do everything for yeah. them. And so I, I, there was a sense in me that I was just like, okay, I can take a break. Like they can do their thing and I can watch Netflix and chill and I can just do my thing. And what God is teaching me is like, no, no. They still need me more than ever now, not just for their physical needs, but their spiritual and emotional needs. This is the season that they need me to disciple them, to pour into them, to remind them who they are, because there is the culture and the world that is trying to confuse them and speak Mm -hmm. these lies to them. Mm -hmm. And I have to be there to help them be rooted and planted in God's word, and God's house, so that when they're teenagers, and I don't have that much voice into their life, they're already planted and their roots are deep. So that when all those storms and the waves come, they're firm,
0: they're firm.
2: Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash Moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the Mops table.